Diving deep into products that are meant to make publishers' lives easier. That's what we're talking about today on Sounds Profitable with me, Brian Barletta. And me, Ariel Nissenblatt. Thanks to Podsites for sponsoring this episode. Podcast and streaming audio attribution, all in one place, Podsites. Go to podsites.com for more information. Brian, guess what I'm dressing up as for Halloween? What are you dressing up as? Well, I wrote on Twitter that I'm going to dress up as Joe Rogan. And I still think it's a possibility, but I can't decide if I would wear a bald cap or if I just go really ham on it and shave my head. What do you think? I I was trying to find you a link for like a lot of prosthetic nipples, (laughs) but I couldn't couldn't find any that weren't offensive. (laughs) What are you dressing up as? Well, I'll get that mad scientist uh, costume that I wore for the X-Fronts, which was really neat. It gave me an excuse to make sure I have one to walk around with the kids tonight. I'm real pumped about that. We got Theo is going to be a pterodactyl uh, who's going to light up. And Bridger is like some sort of dinosaur hatching from an egg, which will be real fun to carry him around in this giant bulbous costume. I love it. Halloween's the best. Well, let's get to today's episode. This week, you chat with Pete Bersinger, who is the CEO and founder of Podscribe. So first up, Brian, let's tell the folks at home, what is Podscribe? Yeah, so Podscribe is a competitive intelligence tool, and what it does is it transcribes podcasts. They grab thousands of podcasts from the podcast ecosystem to transcribe them and understand what ads are in there and the content that's in there and provide advertisers and publishers the ability to see what other advertisers or publishers are doing. They match the data to a social graph. It's a similar tool to, say, Thought Leaders or Magellan AI or even Podsite's uh, advisor tool. It's a different take on it. But recently, Podscribe has come out with Podverify, which was the most recent deep dive I had done with Pete. And that was all about a verification tool to tell when an ad has been correctly added into a podcast and provide an air check. So 30 seconds of content, the ad and 30 seconds of content on the end for review. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of really cool things. They continue to expand what they're offering based on their clients' needs. And so Pete has joined you on the Sounds Profitable Deep Dive series twice, and you have another one coming up in 2022. For folks who don't know, what is the Deep Dive series and why should they participate? I always felt like I had to fight for my place in the room in any meeting I've been in in my entire career. Even though often I was the person who was responsible for the product after my boss signed for it, or I had thoughts about other products we should use, I ended up finding out that we signed a contract or that a meeting happened after the fact. And with the world going more and more remote, and truthfully, I don't think we do enough to train up the entry-level people, I really wanted to put demos and walkthroughs with strong questions being asked about how they actually work and someone who really wants to break down the value guiding the listeners through it. So the deep dives are my attempt at saying, hey, this company is going to pitch their product in public, which is awesome. I'm so glad I challenge companies to do that. And me to say, hey, I have some questions about how this works because I want to represent the interests of the, the watcher, the listener, and really set them up for success so that they can go to their boss and say, this is a tool we need, or it isn't a tool we need. Or if it is the boss, they can say, we should get everybody together because I think it's going to be valuable for them to see this video or have a direct relationship with that company to see if that product fits for them. Amazing. Well, let's, without further ado, get to your chat with Pete. 
And here's my interview with Pete Bersinger, CEO and founder of Podscribe, where we talk all about the sounds profitable product deep dives and the value that he's found in them. Pete, thank you so much for joining me here today. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me again, Brian. Pete's the CEO of Podscribe. And Pete, when I first started, so Sounds Profitable started in September 2020. And I had this idea about getting people to pitch their products and do like actual sales demo walkthroughs with someone who could ask tough questions and do it public. Live originally was the goal, but we, we moved away from that but have it recorded and have it publicly accessible so that the people who were never invited to those meetings that would find value would be able to see it. The people who would never be open to having that pitch would get access to it. And more people would learn about these products and sales collateral and all that. And it was a hard sell at first because so many people kept saying, well, I don't, I can't expose all of that. I can't talk about it publicly. We have to have an NDA or we have to have a private meeting. And you jumped on it, right? That you were the first one we did December, 2020. So shortly after Sounds Profitable started, you were who we kicked off with and we've done three total, uh, right? Or is two it two total, but one more scheduled. We got one more. You're booked for 2022 as well, which is awesome. Like that, it really validated it with me because you, Podscribe is a smaller company. It's how many people work at Podscribe right now? Full-time, about four, part-time, about 10. So. And that's really impressive. I think you're doing some really cool things. The Podscribe, the intelligence tool is the first one we did. I really like that product. I think it's really neat. And you handled the questions very well. And then the Pod Verify tool is awesome. We don't have validation in this space yet. And you're, I love the shirt. Yeah, we're going on YouTube soon. So we'll make sure to highlight that. We don't have validation in this space yet. We don't have verification in the same way other, other industries do. And you really prioritize that. And it's such a compelling product. And I guess that's the first thing I want to dig into. You weren't afraid of pitching in public. You weren't afraid of exposing what you were doing to competitors or, or having to put some of your vulnerabilities or weak spots on display. How'd you come to that decision? Because I definitely had a lot of people turn me down at first uh, until you helped get the ball rolling. Well, you offering the free um, Sounds Profitable sponsorship really helped. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the broad, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But I think we obviously as a bit of a newer, smaller company, one challenge we face is getting newer, big companies in the space or big established companies to know who we are and to trust us, which are sort of twofold things. And I'd been following sounds profitable for a couple months i guess it only had been out for a couple months but i knew it seemed like already almost everyone in the space read you and trusted what you were saying so i figured this could be a great opportunity to get in front of them the concerns obviously are if we're exposing up our entire inner platform to the world that's not yeah. i mean ideally <laughs> Maybe the competitors don't know everything. Maybe you'd ask some questions about the internal mechanisms and how things work that maybe we wouldn't necessarily, that we maybe, we, you know, we might want to have slightly different answers for people, this or that. But yeah, I figured in the end, though, by being able to get it in front of your entire audience, plus, you know, on some level, it is a bit of a stamp of approval from you saying this product, you know, it's, I don't use it myself, but they are, you know, I've vetted them enough that they are 
you know, legit enough to be doing this deep dive, which I think was was also helpful. And I think too, going you going through it in detail also helps show that, you know, and the questions you asked weren't, you know, all totally softball questions, which I think was good as well. So then people could see from you know, kind of a new perspective, they could see how we handled some of the, the tougher questions and see how some of the inner things of the product worked. So I, I overall, obviously, as you can see by us rebooking, win in the end. <laughs> and that's, that's awesome. I mean, that that was my entire goal. Like, I think so much of my career was as product uh, as a product manager, and I constantly found myself overwhelmed by the fact that the salespeople couldn't expose more of what we were doing or, or really get detailed into it because they were afraid of competition. And the truth of it is, is if somebody came to me and said, I watched product deep dive and the product that you're managing right now, we need to p completely pivot it to build that feature. Well, even if you could hire up fast enough, you still have to train the people. So let's just assume that you can't hire up fast enough to make it make a difference. So that means that you have to pivot off of your current roadmap, pissing off your direct clients already, hurting your sales pipeline, and then chasing an audience that you haven't attracted yet. And so that's six months to, to take a swing at a competitor when all you've done is destabilize your base. So maybe it puts it on the horizon. Maybe it says, oh, we need that feature. And that's fine, right? Because I don't think anything that you're specifically building is something that you thought like no one will ever beat it, but you just do it in a way that you're really proud of and that you want to get out there and you know that you're going to be competitors with it because of how you do it. Agreed. Definitely agreed. I think the fear of competition is significantly more imagined than real. Yeah. And I can, I get, <laughs> I get, I get why. But I was reading something earlier and some article kind of talking about it, and they were saying, like you're saying, you couldn't, you could go to Facebook or some other random X company in the space and whatever idea you had, no matter how brilliant the odds are that you could convince them to build it would be so low. You know, e yeah. even if you told them the perfect idea, just because they already are at full capacity basically and have their own roadmap. So it, I think it's much more difficult than people think to actually get your competition to do anything. And I think also the value you get from getting feedback from everyone possible in the market sooner by being more of an open book, whatever competitive risk there might be, I think the benefit is orders of magnitude higher Yeah, by getting it out there sooner. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the build in public and I'm glad you said that. The Facebook example is perfect because there's so much momentum going on. I'm, I'm experiencing that in my real life. I can do so many things that are in the forward direction that I'm already going. I can add on little things here and there, but like stopping and going a complete different direction, you lose everything. You lose the motivation. You lose the excitement. It's a lot. Now, what was really interesting is that when we first talked about this, while I was trying to develop what this whole thing was, you had pitched me a lot of opportunities, right? Uh, working with you actually taught me where I wanted to draw the line. I am a consultant, right? Sounds Profitable is 100% my unbiased review or I, my opinionated review, but I'm not bought by any company. There are plenty of sponsors that I talk about the shortcomings that they have there or the benefits. And I try and do it holistically as a category instead of point any direct fingers, Except the Giants. Like, Megavone is a sponsor, and I'm very happy for them. They're part of the Spotify branch. Uh, Spotify's going to get some heat because of how big they are, and that just happens. But 
I don't hold anything back, but we, we talked about a commission structure and it's neat because I, like, I thought about that for a long time because I haven't done a deep dive for any company. You didn't want to take I, our bribes. You no. refused them. <laughs> it's, I don't even think it's a bribe. I think it's, it's, I mean, like I haven't taken a deep dive about any company that I wasn't passionate about. And by doing that deep dive and working with a company as a sponsor, I get to learn about them and learn about the people and everybody I work with. I'm so passionately talking to them about everything. I'm trying to make these connections and get people in front of other people because I know that their passions align or that they could help each other. And that's where like we talked through it and you helped me come to the decision that like, I shouldn't take commission structures or anything like that. I shouldn't even be an advisor on any company and that unbiased nature really makes a difference. So, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how, how having a third party that isn't affiliated like that, that doesn't directly benefit how, how that made a big difference in the presentation versus like you, like you guys do loom videos all the time and they're great, by the way, what a cool thing that more people should do. You just put the video up there. I know Justin Jackson of transistor does similar things like that. And I just love seeing those. I watch them every time I can, but having the third party, did it add a lot of value for you? Well, so yeah, our initial hope was that we could get a referral program going with <laughs> you. That was the initial hope. But I think in the end, the yeah, the third party objective status may actually be the best may have worked out best in the end because what I tell people who I intro you which you know, I call people here and there, the biggest thing I say for you know why we're sponsors is just because of the the countless intros you, you've given us that are super valuable. And I think if those, it, those introductions actually can lose some value, if it's you being, you know, you're being incentivized, you know, yeah. with some percentage cut, I think by being more of a third party, the recommendations for the intros can have a bit more weight because then it's more of a genuine, a genuine thing where you think, Hey, this company can help that company. And I think, people in the space understand your role as that so i i do think that um that that's worked out well man i think it, i think it was a smart decision on your part to be the you know still opinionated but you know very opinionated obje <laughs> objective you know third party out there yeah and it's it's so funny because when i think back to it like that was the start like that was at the point where I wasn't quite sure that I could make this financially viable because I would look at AdAge and AdWeek and AdMonsters and ExchangeWire and all these places covering ad tech. And it felt like they were just selling slots to companies to write, right? It wasn't. And, and when they did write holistically about podcast advertising or podcasting in general as an industry to invest in, it was just like, oh, not yet. And I was, I was like, this is wrong. I don't like this. I'm, I'm very passionate about it. It was such a risk. Right, Sans Propolo is booming right now, and I'm I'm doing everything I can to give that back to the community and give that back to the space because it is really a tight knit group. It is a referral based system. It is a collaborative space. We all understand that. Maybe when we hit tens of billions of dollars in ad spend a year, we're a little less, you know, cooperative. That's what happens with growth, but we're not there yet, and we have to have to benefit each other. But it was. Yeah, it was, it, it was a tough decision. I'd love to tell people that I got to sit there and be like, oh, this is a real good objective decision. But I had to basically turn down that opportunity to stick by it. And, and, and I don't just mean that like you offered 
this to me and like I turned it down. Me and you had a lot of really long conversations. You were really a good peer to help me figure out and flesh out what sounds profitable needed to be. And I, I, I don't think I ever got a chance to say thank you for that. So this is my, my chance to do it on air. Well, we'll take a free uh, 2022 <laughs> sponsorship. We'll, we'll make it. We'll make something like <laughs> But uh, uh, for for the uh, the last part I really want to cover is education is so tough in this space, right? You're hiring all these people that are part-time or full-time and they're engineers. And, and your business is unique in that you don't need a lot of forward-facing people, right? You need engineers and you're able to prescribe it out there. But at some point, if you continue to grow, you're going to need somebody who can take over sales or who can take over uh, account management or all these different things. And they're going to need to know about the space and about your product. Do you feel like these deep dives work well, just as well internally as they do externally for that? And, and overall, how do you feel we're doing as an industry, educating the people new to the space uh, about the space itself? As a, as a bit of background for Podscribe as, as a company, we are pretty much fully asynchronous as a company now. So we have, I think I only have one recurring meeting each week and we have very few scheduled things each week. It's typically how we work is Slack in a channel and people kind of get to the response when they get to it or code pull requests and we'll comment on them asynchronously as it's convenient or notion docs. So at the start, our culture is pretty asynchronous already. So our goal is to have things as well documented as possible. So if something, instead of me explaining to say a new engineer, how something works, they, if I, if there's nothing out there, I should, instead of just me telling them, I should write up a simple doc or, or a worst case, if I don't have time, explain it to them and tell them to write a doc for it. So then the next guy Smart. can start from reading the doc. So for everything we have to teach somebody, we do already try to make it where we are putting the knowledge out there and then the next time we can just point them to that doc so we we already sort of have that built in and it's been helpful for scaling so you don't have to have the same conversation over and over again and so for that purpose similarly i think with sales calls and we've done a, a bit of you know contractor sales work biz dev kind of part-time things and it is that is one of the big big challenges is getting people up to speed to speaking yeah. the lingo and knowing about the product and you know i can almost more easily outsource engineering in a in a way um so it's definitely a big challenge and i think i think the deep dive helps to give them a a starter point i think there's still a lot more learning to be done but i think it is a good kind of starter point where people can see okay, here's an example of us walking through the product, answering some of the, you know, in possibly intricate questions. So I think it, it is a good starter point. I think there's still more to, I think we'd still need further sales materials, but I think it is a yeah. useful one in the, the toolkit to, to start out with. It's also kind of interesting to look back and see how the products evolved. <laughs> uh, Guess we got to do a new one, refresh it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that I, like, what a cool thing with the asynchronous aspect of it, right? Do you think that if everybody worked in the same office, you would like you would have been able to accomplish that? Like your your setup is very unique, and I think that's a good thing. But for companies out there that everybody does work 
together remote or initially started that before the awful pandemic. Do you think you would have been able to accomplish that? Or do you think it's just a product of how you chose to build the company? I think it goes pretty hand in hand with being remote, but I think in person, I think some of the benefit of being in person is that you can have like the face-to-face scheduled meetings or just bump into people. So I think you can shift anything in person to being more asynchronous by having fewer scheduled meetings and just, you know, docs, people upgrade, update in Slack channels kind of when it is convenient for their thing. Cause when you kind of force everybody to go to one meeting block, then it's not quite as convenient for other people. And you can be a bit more efficient if you let somebody, you know, work through their full two hour focus zone. And then in the breaks between that, then come to back to answering a Slack channel or a doc versus trying to slap a meeting in the middle of that and fragmenting somebody's day. So I think you can still kind of do more asynchronous things in person, but maybe you're already there because you want to have more in-person things. So it might have a little bit, I think you can kind of get there. But I like the idea of starting with the doc and documenting. I, I was a big fan when I was at Megaphone, the team there really focused on no meetings without an agenda. Mm. You can't send out a meeting invite unless it has a clear bullet pointed agenda because then it allows everybody to write their responses to it in advance, present those and talk about it. And then there's material to turn into a doc to recap for the people who couldn't make it. And that's, that's really smart. I think that you built something really cool there. And I highly recommend everybody check out Podscribe for Podverify, which is probably one of the cooler products out right now. I, I think it really pushed the limits on something that we we haven't seen yet. And I think it's going to become very commonplace, the ability to do air checks and consider it verification that your ad was part of that episode drop. That's very, very important uh, to make sure that you got the value as a brand that you wanted and you delivered the value that you sold as a publisher. The Podscribe tool itself is very cool as well. I like the competitive analysis of it. And you built a lot of really cool things with minimal ego, right? Like you built a UI and you put effort into it and it's it's neat. But at the end of the day, you've acknowledged that no matter how much we all want to, uh, advertising industry works in Google Sheets, right? It, or Excel. It's, it's a dangerous truth. That's how it works. And so being able to export the data how people want or input the data how they gather it, I think has allowed you to come a long way. And so I, I hope everybody listening checks out the product deep dives that we did with Podscribe and we have another one coming in 2022 and 2023, you know, Pete, I, 24, yeah, year We'll get you on there. <laughs> and then Pete, the last thing I really want to ask, um, and I ask everyone in the podcast industry is so fun on this end. What are you listening to? What's your, what's your most recent favorite podcast? I've been listening to some Pomp, you're going to hate this, but some a couple of crypto podcasts here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Pompliano one's pretty good. I listened to also This Week in Startups with Jason Calacanis. I like when yeah. he interviews founders. That's a good one. Or he's got another one, the All In podcast with a couple billionaires on it. I just went to our site and found the show with the top highest income of audience and went there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Call me, so, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that, that pretty pretty much those. So I also kind of alternate to audiobooks sometimes too. So I'm probably like sixty percent podcast, forty percent audiobooks ish right now. So it varies. Yeah. Well, that's good. Those are great recommendations. Well, Pete, thank you so much for being on here and walking through the the product deep dives. Like I really appreciate it. You absolutely helped put it on the map and made it a big part of Sounds Profitable and. Uh, and really shaped what Sounds Profitable became. So thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you for having me and uh, looking forward to the next deep dive. 
So, Brian, have you taken it upon yourself to listen to the crypto podcast that Pete has recommended? I love Pete, and <laughs> I respect his views on cryptocurrency, but they I, are not your views. No, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. Like, there was definitely a long holiday weekend where I invested more money than I was comfortable into cryptocurrency, and it doubled and then dropped to 50% and then went back on the same weekend. And my wife, looked at me and basically said me or crypto and i sold it <laughs> oh, god i i would have made a, a lot of money a lot of money if i just held out but i would have also been dead by now wow um, so <laughs> the anxiety <laughs> it just you could just look at it in real time it happens 24 7 you wake yeah. up and you're up or down tons of money i just i couldn't handle it i think it's i think it's neat i think the technology is cool but i think that just like we run into the issue of podcasting being too wide of a net. There's the technology, there's the weird NFT art aspect mm. of it, and then there's the speculation. A lot of the good gets hidden with the bad because of presentation. So I am not going to listen to that podcast, but I will trust <laughs> Pete and I will pass on his recommendation that if you are interested in, in crypto, um, I would take Pete's recommendation yeah. strongly. Yeah, take Pete's, Pete's word for it. I do appreciate that you ask your interviewees for their podcast recommendations. I think it's interesting to hear what people who are very much entrenched in the podcast world are listening to. It's never it's never your typical This American Life, 99% Invisible. People want to show something off. I love that. I binged all of Toxic. I absolutely <laughs> binged the entire thing. So every now and then something resonates with me, but I got to get better at listening to them. So let's get to my takeaways from your conversation. So first up, what I took away from this that Pete was very clear about. He said something along the lines of the power of Brian Barletta is in his ability to see potential connections between companies and brands. And I love that he said that one of the reasons they're very happy to be um, to be supporters of Sounds Profitable is because of the connections that you make with people. So I'd love if you could just talk a bit about your philosophy behind making these connections. So many companies are in these awkward situations where they kind of only teach people about their own company. And so if I work at a specific company, I only kind of learn the propaganda of my own company. I don't understand how the whole industry works. I, I can't see past my company. And, and oftentimes a lot of people aren't given the authority to create relationships with other companies. I have over 60 sponsors now, and it's been really cool because I offer each of them an hour of consulting and so they per month. And so they use that and we speak. And then I'm talking to dozens of other people over the course of the month, and I'm just trying to connect the dots. I think, oh, if I'm talking to someone new and I haven't heard about it before, who does that resonate with with my sponsors that I should ask my sponsors if that's interesting? Or if I'm talking to a sponsor, I say, what are the other sponsors or people that that I've connected with, that that might be a connection there that's worthwhile. And because these people, um, you know, because these people trust me and because my goal is to be unbiased and just grow the space, when I make that connection, it's a little bit warmer, right? If somebody reaches out like a cold email, it's harder to get in there, right? Everybody's busy. The product deep dives were built as a way to say, here is an option if you can't take a demo with me. If we can't find the time in your schedule, here's a leave behind. And I try to do the same thing. I try and say like, no, you, you two need to connect. It might not be a good business thing right now, but something about how the two of you interact resonates with me. And I think that the two of you will hit it off. I've done that for you a few times, right? Totally. And that, and I, you, <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> have. 
And that's right. When you trust somebody, when you're working with someone and they make an introduction, you hold it at a higher level. And I get to spend most of my weeks making introductions and really just watching people hit it off and grow the space. Great position to be in. Yeah. Very fortunate. My next takeaway is that participating in a deep dive can be a little bit scary because it feels like you're giving away your secrets to the competition. But like Pete says, and I really like this quote, the fear of competition is much more pervasive than the actual competition itself. Yes. And what I really liked about that is you further explained it saying, even if you say, even if you give a company a really great idea, the chances of them implementing it, whether it would be great for their business or not, are very low. Yeah, even if you take three companies that are exactly doing the same thing for attribution, right? Pod sites, Chartable, and Claritas, there's no way that their clients want the exact same thing or their current roadmap is the exact same way. They might be similar, right? You saw Chartable and Pod sites release similar audience insights tools around the same time, but they go at it a different way, right? Chartable has that feature that allows the PDF export because they're focusing on self-representation for publishers where Podsites is more focused on that being part of their UI. So people can shift. They can absolutely chase after that, but you alienate your current user base. You halt your organic flow. And I, I am very glad to hear that Pete echoed that because he was the first person to take a risk on this and really prove there's no fear. And everybody gets positive feedback from it, right? There's Even if competitors are watching it, they're admiring it. They're getting... They're basically just highlighting that they found something cool about it. Red Circle is one of the most recent ones we did. And I got so many messages from people saying, I actually had no idea how Red Circle worked. This was fantastic. Are they going to be customers? No, but could that help with an acquisition? Could that help with a bigger partnership? Could that help with the idea of maybe an enterprise client finding value and being part of that and then building out something specific for them? These are all possibilities that become available when people are more comfortable openly talking about what they're building and why. And like you said, Podscribe was one of the first to sign on to do a deep dive. They've done more than one. They have more upcoming. And what Pete said was that one of the reasons he chose to participate early on is because his company's smaller. They don't have that many people working there. The impact that they have can be huge, but they need to get larger companies and established folks in the space to trust them and to know who they are. And the Deep Dive series put them in front of all of the people that subscribe to Sounds Profitable. And I really liked that take on it, that it can kind of be a way to thrust a new company into the larger podcast landscape. I agree with that. I think, you know, I'm never going to do a deep dive for a product or a company that I don't believe in. Right. Mm. There are, there are, I've, I've turned some down. I'm not excited about that, uh, but my integrity is way more important. Because Sounds Profitable and my face are on these products, right? So that's an endorsement, whether I want it to be or not. It's a host red ad, I guess. <laughs> Probably not to that degree. But by being part of it, I'm saying this is something that people who listen to me or find value in what I'm saying should also ingest. And because I'm making time for it, they should also evaluate it as an option for them. So by putting the Sounds Profitable logo and my face next to something that Pete's doing, he found value from endorsement in the same way that I recommend that people do, you know, maybe you do your own study or survey, but having Signal Hill or Edison Research right next to there or their logo on that survey adds value with third party validation. You can do your own attribution, but having chartable pod sites or Claritas on there adds 
third-party validation. IAB certification adds third-party validation. Those logos, I make fun of them all day long, but when you're looking to buy something, when you can trust a source and say, ah, they've approved this, they agree with it, they back it, it holds weight. Yeah, and I think this all just goes back to Brian is giving you listeners access to each other. I think that's kind of the overarching theme of this episode is connections and the larger podcast ecosystem and how everybody feeds into each other. So if you are able to, and if you're a product that is looking to get in front of the eyes of more potential buyers or maybe for an acquisition in the future, definitely consider taking part in the Sounds Profitable Deep Dive series. Let's just quickly let folks know if they want to find all of the deep dives that you've done in the past, where can they watch them, listen to them? Is it a podcast? Is it a video? What's what's the what's the vibe? So it's definitely a video. The focus really is to have the screen share and then two talking heads. You can find them on soundsprofitable.com. It says um, the product deep dives at the top or just deep dive in the menu bar. And uh, pretty soon we're going to create a YouTube channel and get them out there because we want some further distribution on that. Uh, some of the companies that I've worked with will share them directly too, but we do one of them a month and I'm always looking to talk to new companies for more. We, we book up far in advance. I'm looking to figure out how we can expand that, maybe doing some of them live as we enter back into a world where we go to live conferences, but they are a paid product. I do want to make that clear um, because we do put considerable time and effort to do rehearsal walkthroughs, ask tough questions, kind of product feedback. And then Ian recently, Ian Powell, our editor, recently has dug into the video editing and he's been doing a great job getting those up. And I'm excited to share the first one that he will have fully edited um, later next month. And if podcast companies or publishers or folks want to get involved in the deep dive series and do a deep dive with you, how should they sign up? The best way is just to reach out directly. You know, I think if you reply back to the newsletter, it goes directly to me. So I always love interacting with people who have questions about Sounds Profitable, about an article I've written. But that is the easiest way to get in touch with me. You can email me at brian at soundsprofitable.com, spelt either way for your convenience. I, I definitely want to hear from more companies that are interested in it because I want to share more amazing products in the space. Those are all my takeaways for today. I do feel I should clarify that at the top of the show, when I said I was going to dress as Joe Rogan, I may do it, but it's not out of respect. <laughs> I just feel like your listeners don't necessarily know when I'm being sarcastic yet, so they should start understanding that. <laughs> yeah, they should follow you on Twitter to see all that love you give Joe I Rogan. I do. I give a lot of. Uh, I give a lot of love. <laughs> and if you do that costume, you better share it on on the Sounds Profitable oh, Twitter. I will share it everywhere. <laughs> Before we wrap up, here's what's happening this week in the world of podcasting with James Cridlin at Pod News. If you want to connect or have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on social media at Sounds Prof News, at Brian Barletta, or at Ari This and That on Twitter, podcast at soundsprofitable.com for email, or reach out to us via the Yappa link in the show's description. This show is recorded using Squadcast, my favorite tool to make sure that we get the best audio quality and video quality for my product deep dives. Squadcast provides a free seven-day trial, and you should check it out at squadcast.fm. 
And make sure you check out the private feed, if you haven't already, on Supercast for access to narrated articles and early drops of our interview episodes. Link in the episode description. Thanks to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on making this episode. Bye, Brian. Bye. (laughs) 